You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is the Sober Podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. You can always find the show notes, some posts, and all of my other tools over on decidedlydry.substack.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Well, holy Toledo, you guys, we have reached the 75th episode of Decidedly Dry. What a fun milestone that I have the pleasure of celebrating with you. Thank you for being here. All right, you guys, today I am chatting with Emily McDermott. Emily is a wife, a mother of two energetic boys. I laugh when I say that because I feel that to my core. (laughs) And a simplicity seeker. She is also the host of the top 1.5% globally ranked podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm where she helps moms declutter their homes, their heads, and their hearts. Emily enjoys writing poetry, dancing, and eating peanut butter out of the jar. I sure hope that this episode blesses you. I know that you are going to have so many good takeaways. And one great takeaway that you can take advantage of after listening to this episode is by looking in the show notes below, I always point as if you can see me um, directing you, but Emily has been so gracious and has a link to a freebie for you to take advantage of. It is a freebie titled Five Mindset Shifts to Help You Let Go of Clutter. You can find that on her website. And again, that is going to be linked in the show notes below. All right. With that being said, I hope that you enjoy this episode. And here is Emily. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry. And today I have a new friend on the show that is going to just be a wealth of knowledge for you. So make sure if you haven't already, get a paper and a pen because we are going to talk all things decluttering with my new friend, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hey, Jess. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're just going to jump right in. I am so excited to tackle this topic with my listeners and well, for my listeners with you. And I just am excited to get to know you. So thanks again. Yeah. All right, my dear. So before we kind of get to our fun topic today, I would love for you just to introduce yourself to listeners. So who you are, where you live, what you do, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. So I'm Emily McDermott and My husband and I are coming up on 15 years of marriage, which is pretty exciting. And we have two kiddos. I have a seven-year-old and a five and a half-year-old. The half is very important, I found. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So my youngest just started kindergarten recently, which is really exciting. And we live outside of the Washington, D.C. area. My husband is in the military, but we're actually permanently stationed here. So I don't have the normal experience where you move around every two to three years. And yeah, I write poetry. So if you need a poem for a special occasion, I'm your girl. And I love all things simplicity, decluttering. I have a podcast where I helped overwhelmed moms with 
decluttering their homes, heads and hearts. And I love peanut butter and dancing, not usually eating peanut butter while I dance, but I like whatever works. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. Oh, how fun. Um, I totally relate to the peanut butter. Oh my gosh. I did like a health (laughs) challenge and I was like, kind of made aware of the calories of peanut butter. I'm like, why did I know? Like ruined it for me. <laughs> Don't tell me. La, la, la. No, not saying a thing. Um, well, thank you for the intro. It's so great to have you here. And um, for those of you listening, I actually, and listeners, you might know this by now, we're kind of doing this shift in the show where, you know, we're still talking about sobriety. This whole show is about empowering women to, you know, really look at their relationship with sobriety or excuse me, with alcohol and kind of dip their toes into a life um, of you know, living alcohol free. But lately I've decided that I want to talk about some other stuff and it all kind of relates to sobriety. But one of the topics that we're going to talk, talk about today is decluttering. So mm-hmm. Emily, one of the first questions that you and I kind of talked about going over for listeners was what is the one question that we can ask ourselves to radically simplify our lives? Yeah. And this is something you may not think about and it's not, does it spark joy? <laughs> In case you're right. <laughs> That's not the, I'm not Marie Kondo. <laughs> um, so the question is what unnecessary decisions can I remove from my life? And the reason that that radically simplifies, which we're going to be getting into is that decision fatigue is a real problem pretty much for everyone I know, but especially for women and moms who feel like There's just so much that they're juggling and so much stress that is kind of going on in their day-to-day lives, which is impacted by clutter and a variety of other things. But it's just so overwhelming, all of the things that we have to do. And supposedly we make 35,000 decisions a day, but I think it's more probably if you're caring for other people and you're making decisions for them. And so at the end of the day, when your significant other wants to talk to you about like the taxes and it's like six o'clock, you're like, no. And that's when at least I have found in my past where the glass of wine looks a lot better than talking to my husband about taxes because you are just spent at the end of the day and all those decisions that you're making causes that. And we'll kind of getting into a little bit more of the science, but yeah, yeah, that is one question I think is really powerful because it goes for our stuff. It goes for the things that we do. It also impacts our our mental load. So it all kind of ties together. I had to laugh. I know that we don't use the video of this podcast, but if listeners couldn't hear me giggle in the background, I had to laugh out loud at the taxes because I feel that like you have you live in a similar home because that is so what happens at the end of the day. It's, Hey, let's talk numbers <laughs> after a full day of how many did you say? 35, 35,000. Of course, it's kind of like when people talk about building habits, there's like a range, but that's what I have found. And I'm like, and that's every single little thing. So decision fatigue is actually how the quality of our decisions deteriorates over the course of the day. And so the more, decisions you're making. That's why at the end of the day, you just don't want anyone asking you to do anything Wow! (laughs) because you've been making decisions all day. 
Well, and I'd love for you to elaborate on that because I had not heard that phrase decision Mm -hmm. fatigue before we spoke. And I like latched onto it when we were talking about what to chat about, because I was like, oh my gosh, I know from personal experience and a lot of listeners out there right now can hear that phrase and be like, oh, (laughs) I, I feel that I feel like that's what I'm experiencing, especially for those that are newly sober, where they're like, it's all I think about. It's just making that choice to not drink or to drink and just kind of like this the cycle. So mm-hmm. can you talk to us a little bit more about that decision yeah. fatigue? Yeah, definitely. And it it does kind of tie to sort of what I teach as far as the amount of stuff that we have, um, because when you are overloaded by stuff in your home or to do's, you're having to make choices between things. And I thought of sort of a a new example that I want to buy. Hey, Hopefully, bring it. Let's <laughs> let's say that we actually get to go get a massage. Like, oh my gosh, what an amazing thing to be able to do! And you're like, I'm finally just going to relax, do something for me. And so you come in, and the therapist goes, "Okay, what sort of aromatherapy scent do you want? Um, our choice is bubble gum." You're like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound so great. No. Any other choices? No, just bubble gum." It's like, "Oh, okay." Okay. So that's one option. But the other is that you come in and they're like, well, we have lavender and lemon and rose and sandalwood and orange and lemon and cucumber. Mm-hmm. And they just keep going. And all of a sudden you feel yourself tensing up. <laughs> You're yeah. like, wait a minute. I came here to relax, but all of these choices are causing me to be more stressed out. So there's a concept in psychology called choice overload, mm-hmm. which is that a certain point choice is good. We don't want to just have one choice, especially in the United States. We like the freedom of choice. However, when you have more and more choices, then your happiness actually decreases. Mm. And that's when you have that decision fatigue, because the more stuff you have, the more choice, you know, overload, overload you have, and then you have the decision fatigue. So you wake up in the morning, you're like, okay, I'm going to go get dressed. And you go in your closet. I know you can relate, Jess, right now. I'm, I'm in my closet. Yes. <laughs> Say no more. And you're picking out your shirt for the day and you're like, okay, well, I have 50 different shirts. So what shirt am I going to pick? Or I have 50 pairs of pants and 25 pairs of shoes and 10 shades of lipstick and 30 shades of eyeshadow and five choices of shampoo in the shower. Mm-hmm. All of that is taxing your decision-making ability, your energy your focus. And so no wonder, you know, you come downstairs and the kids are like, okay, um, mom, what's for breakfast? Well, I don't know. What do you want for breakfast? I don't know. And then you're having to be in the stress of like all the choices for breakfast and what do they choose? And it just keeps going and going and going. So the amount of stuff that we have directly impacts that choice overload, which leads to the decision fatigue. And that's why, it um, causes us to then kind of waver when it comes to something we think we want to decide once, like I'm not drinking. This is no longer a thing that I do. This is not part of my identity. But when you have all of that stress compounded by decision fatigue, that's when you start to waver on some of those things that you thought "Mm, I've decided once, but then you're like, but (laughs) it would make me feel really a lot better with all this anxiety and stress. So I think that's kind of how it all ties together. Oh, I love that. And I love that this is like new territory for us because I haven't talked about this. So it's exciting for me. So 
I'm kind of building off of that. So say we have someone who's in like their first week of sobriety. They've just decided, you know what? Didn't have a rock bottom, but it's just not serving me anymore. I know that this is not in line with the other healthy choices that I'm making in my life. So do you think that, you know, in that first week when they're trying to come up with, you know, healthy habits and stuff, could decluttering be just like a great thing to add to their toolbox so that they, you know, not only have something to fill that time, that witching hour, but also they might be, you know, kind of taking care of that decision fatigue or preventing it, I should say. Would you, yeah. am I on the right track? <laughs> oh, def- yeah, no, for sure. And something I talk about sometimes is like the science behind clutter and how it's impacting our our bodies and our minds. And there are studies that show that in a cluttered home, your cortisol, your stress levels increase. And interestingly enough, in this one study from 2011, I really love the husband and wife gave a tour of the home. The, the wife's cortisol levels went up. The husband's did not. <laughs> <laughs> meaning they're not necessarily as impacted by the clutter because traditionally in the studies in the U.S., women are responsible for the management of the home. And so when things are cluttered and in disarray and disorganized, we're the ones as women that are feeling it more keenly. And these women had a harder transition from work to home. So we think about mm. how a lot of times if we are going to be perhaps drinking, it's going to be in that witching hour, like you said, when we're coming home from work, the kids are home from school. And so if you think about the impacts of your health, it also um, clutter impacts our sleep, Right. it impacts our focus and all of these things, then it's like, okay. Well, if I don't want to be in this stressful place where I'm going to feel tempted to either drink or to use whatever unhealthy coping mechanism that you are trying to stay away from, then decluttering is not um, a neutral activity like, oh, I'm just getting some extra stuff out of my house. You're actually reclaiming your health. You're reclaiming your attention and your focus and your energy and your time because a cluttered house is a lot harder to keep up with and clean and maintain and find things. (laughs) The amount of time we waste, like looking for things is amazing. So I think that it's a great alternate activity and you're also kind of moving your body a little bit and you're using your brain and you're thinking about the long-term impacts on your health. But also if you have kids, it impacts our kids as well. It impacts their ability to enjoy living in our homes and to have our home be a haven and not just a storage unit of our crap. Sorry, our stuff. So that's why I think that it's just a really uh, healthy alternative. And I know we'll get into it, but there's easy ways to start where it doesn't have to be like this overwhelming thing to get started with. Yeah. And I love how you described how you're moving your body and you're using your hands. And, and that is one thing I really preach to my listeners is just, you know, when you are going to remove a habit, you know, say we're removing that glass of wine, that, that, you know, thing that you look forward to that, you know, what we thought was self-care, but isn't, you know, finding something or an alternative that physically keeps you moving or gets things in your hands so that you aren't feeling you know, that feeling of, of missing something you're replacing mm-hmm. it. And I know there's a whole, you know, I'm sure a scientific explanation of just rewiring your brain and all of that. We could, we could totally go off on uh, on a different episode, but yeah. for, 
for time being and staying on the topic of decluttering, where do we start? Let's say we know this word. It's a power word. I feel like these days is decluttering and simplifying. <laughs> um, but what what if someone's like, okay, I want to do this, but what, where do I even begin? What would you advise? Yeah. So I'm going to give a recommendation for simplifying decisions and then a recommendation for decluttering um, or our physical space, if that's okay. So when it comes to simplifying our decisions, just being able to decide once about something just for a given season, it doesn't have to be that your life all of a sudden is going to be so boring because you're deciding something once it actually frees up that brain power and that energy. An example of this could be what you're wearing, that you have a more limited wardrobe. It could be what you're eating, that maybe you pick the same breakfast for a certain amount of time, or you always have dinners, leftovers for lunch the next day or something like that. It could be uh, your exercise that you're going to just kind of walk and that's going to be your exercise. You decide once, but also about home management and chores. Like for example, I have a family of four, but I choose to do laundry every day, not because I necessarily have to, but because I don't want to think about it. So I don't have to wake up and say, well, am I doing laundry? What did this laundry basket look like? Well, it's kind of full. I don't know. Should I, when would I do it? I do it always the same time every day. And it's just something that I do. And so it really helps you for the things that aren't as like, quote unquote, important to be able to streamline those. So then when you have to have these important discussions, maybe with your spouse about the taxes right, <laughs> or about, you know, oh, our kids having a hard time in school, you know, what should we do? And, um, or something for yourself, like, wow, I'm realizing I might want to go see a therapist to talk about some of these things that are causing me to want to drink. If you want to have the capacity to actually handle some of those things, then you need to streamline the unimportant decisions out of that 35,000 and the ones that really don't matter decide those wants. So that would be my recommendation on the decision side of things. I don't know if you have any comments before I jump into the physical. No, that was brilliant. I love it. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. So when it comes to decluttering your home, so I talk about decluttering your home head and heart, but we're going to start with the home because that's where a lot of people start anyway. Yeah. You want to start with the most unemotional, unsentimental possible areas because you want to start flexing those decision-making muscles because decluttering is decision-making. So I actually recommend that you don't start in your home at all. You start in your car oh. and that's because it is a small contained space. If you have children, or even if you don't have children, maybe you just kind of eat a lot of snacks in the car, but there's always like trash, you know, there's things where you can easily say, this doesn't belong here. I'm going to clean it. And then when you have it all clean, it feels really good Mm -hmm. to be driving around and having things be clean. Another option would be your purse or your diaper bag, same concept, limited space, or going into your bathroom and you have Uh, expired medication or makeup, you have no idea when you bought it or, you know, things that you're not using anymore. It's very easy. People don't usually get very sentimental and choked up about like, oh, I have to get rid of this expired medication. (laughs) And so, you know, you want to start with that stuff or even food. I think about this sometimes, like if you are looking in your fridge and you find the moldy food and you throw it out, that's decluttering your fridge. Like that's an actual thing. 
So start with all the unemotional and sentimental stuff. Then you can start gaining that momentum and confidence that you can start going to the things that are a little bit more sentimental or more difficult and always starting with your own stuff first before you touch your spouse or partner stuff or <laughs> your kid's stuff or anything like that. Just do yourself a favor <laughs> yeah. and start with your own stuff first. So those are some of my quick tips on those. That's brilliant. And I love, 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 love starting with things that you don't maybe have an attachment to because you don't think mm -hmm. about that. I think I'll use myself as an example because I don't want to speak for everyone, but I would instantly go to the closet. I would think decluttering, oh, clothes. Like I just need to go to my closet where I spend clearly most of my time. Um, <laughs> let me clean up. What did we call it? A clothis? Yes. Clothis, yeah. <laughs> but I love that, that you start, I mean, not necessarily small, but starting mm -hmm. with something that you might not really have to think about too much, you know, because I could see myself coming to the closet and being, well, I might fit into those jeans yes. here, you know, it's yes. like that emotional, you know, up and down. Should I keep it? Should I not? You know, oh, I should probably keep this family shirt, you know, that my mom got me for a reunion or, you know, whatever it may mm -hmm. be. But I love the example of the expired medication or the moldy food, because that's got to feel good to just say, oh, I'm actually checking things off my list. And these are things that have to go. So yeah. I love that example. Oh. Good. Well, I think that this is a great place for people to start. I think that the tips that you gave, and I think that just decluttering in general for people new in sobriety could be such a great habit for them or not habit, but at least activity kind of in those first few weeks where they're staying busy. And let's face it, this is something we know we probably have to do. So I think we're physically checking things off our list. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, oh, definitely. Good. <laughs> yeah, it does. There is sort of that dopamine hit of that. And then also you're just sort of feeling lighter. I mean, just being able to release what's not serving you. And then I believe that you can kind of more clearly see your higher purpose if you're not having all of this stuff crowding your home and your mind. And I feel like sobriety um, is very similar to that, that kind of that cloud lifts and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm able to really pursue what my purpose is because I'm not being bogged down by this thing that I thought was helping me, but isn't really. And in our culture, I feel like there's a huge focus on alcohol, but there's also a huge focus on stuff and the consumption of stuff. And by choosing to say, you know, I don't really want to consume something that isn't serving me. Mm -hmm. is kind of a countercultural idea, but it's something that when you recognize it for what it is, then it's like, no, that isn't serving me. So I'm going to do what is. So yeah. I think there's oh, a lot of parallels. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. And along the same lines, I love how you pointed out, you know, just that cloud being lifted, you know, because I think in sobriety, a lot of women, people, I should say people, um, they kind of feel like they're figuring out who they are. They are mm -hmm. finding their purpose and they have that clarity to rediscover themselves. And if there is all that, what did we call it? Crap, Yeah, <laughs> that is, you know, either <laughs> mental crap or physical crap, you know, like mm -hmm. this sounds so gross. I'm sorry. I keep repeating that word, but you know, it really does, you know, give them the opportunity to have a clean slate and yeah. a fresh start to to just live the life that they were destined to live. So I love mm -hmm. it. 
Oh gosh, this was so good, Emily. I'm going to have all of your contact info and how people can, can get a hold of you in the show notes below, but where's the best people or best way for people to reach out? Yeah. So wherever you're listening to Jess right now, you can find me at mom's overcoming overwhelm, my podcast, and I do decluttering challenges in my Facebook group. And so it's really, again, learning to flex those decision-making muscles. And so we're having a lot of fun over there and yeah, I'm happy to help out however I can to help you feel lighter and help pursue that purpose. Right. Well, thank you again for being here. And I just appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for pushing play today and hanging with me. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. Grateful for this message and want more? Head on over to decidedlydry.substack.com. There you will find all of my writing, a library of past episodes, and an option to subscribe. That gives you access to many, many more tools for not only your sober journey, but for all areas of your amazing life. It has sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.